Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. The sound of endurance racing around the world. This is RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited Network. G'day everyone and welcome to On The Grid, your weekly fix of motorsport with a down-under perspective. Each week we'll talk to the leading lights of Aussie motorsport, unpick the key issues, discuss the trending topics and have some fun along the way. From supercars to the Bathurst 12-hour and everything in between, and I mean everything, this is On The Grid. Now, here's the show's host with the most, Tony Shebeki. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid. Thank you for joining us. Big show coming up today, Joey Morton. We'll have a chat to Richard very shortly. Uh, of course, an S5000 winner this year, so it'll be great to see how Joey thinks uh, those cars are going, having appeared a couple of times so far in 2021. We're also going to speak to Brody Kostecki, a podium getter at Sandown on the weekend for supercars, and then Mark Dale and Richard will have a chat a little bit later on in the show. But first of all, the news, and Shane Vagisbergen has continued his perfect start to the year this supercar season, becoming the first driver since 1994 to win the first five races of the season. The Triple Eight driver eased to victory in the final race by almost 15 seconds, proved even a broken collarbone was not enough to stop his stellar run. Coming in second was Brody Kostecki, who was ecstatic after claiming his first podium finish in supercars. Oh, <laughs> no, it was a really good race, but um, yeah, the guys did an awesome job. We got it turned around, so stoked to, to be here, and um, I, you know, I'm I didn't think I'd be here this early, so um, hopefully we can carry this momentum throughout the year. And um, credit to Shane. Um, you know, I'm really excited, but I still got beat with you know a guy with one arm. So um, yeah, we'll um, have to go to the pub tonight and go have a few beers, I reckon. And um, definitely top effort by everyone at Erebus, Boost Most Mobile Racing. A further eight seconds behind was third place, Dave Reynolds, who clearly was frustrated at just how good Van Giersbergen is. Does he look unstoppable? Yeah, he's in pretty good form. You bastard. What do you mean? He's got a broken shoulder. <laughs> hey, well, you know, in driving form, he's pretty much untouchable at the minute. So, you know, whatever they're doing and he's doing, he's in the right frame of mind and he's doing a fucking good job. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing really well, so he's, very un- he's won every race by miles. So The wet conditions over the weekend made for entertaining action. Chaz Mostert in race four made contact twice with other cars at turn one. First with second place, Cam Waters. Always good to see those two have a little bit of a stoush. And then again, later with Andre Heimgartner. The driver felt he deserved a podium finish in he, as he believed that he'd been blocked. Heimgartner also felt he should have managed a podium finish in race four. Mostert and Heimgartner had to settle for fourth and fifth place finishes respectively in race four behind Waters and Winkup who rounded out the podium. Heading into the Tasmania Super Sprint in a couple of weeks' time, Van Gisbergen now boasts a 155-point lead over second-placed Jamie Winkup and his Red Bull Ampole Racing team are 330 points clear of Walkinshaw and Dreddy United. In other Supercars news, a night-time race on the Gold Coast is being considered at the moment. Supercars Chief Operating Officer Shane Howard said the idea will be reinvestigated on the other side of the pandemic. The series has been looking at the potential of a night race on the Gold Coast for several years now. The event has been given the green light last year. Planning was taking place before the pandemic set in and resulted in the Gold Coast 600 being scrapped altogether. And Supercars is planning to celebrate an Indigenous round for the first time at the Darwin Triple Crown in June, following the lead of other major sports such as AFL and the NRL. The Supercars team will be encouraged to run Indigenous-inspired liveries, and the series will work with local communities on appropriate activations. To Formula One news, and all eyes will be on the Middle East this coming weekend as both MotoGP and Formula One Grand Prix take place, marking the official start for both competitions. First, we go to Formula One news, and Silverstone has announced that they'll they'll give away thousands of free tickets for its Formula One and MotoGP races to key workers who served through the COVID pandemic. Last year's F1 event was raced behind closed doors, while MotoGP will return after a year's hiatus. Silverstone has allocated 10,000 tickets to be given away across the F1 and MotoGP and Silverstone Classic events, all running later this year. The tickets will be given away working with a company that rewards workers from the National Health Service, Emergency Services, Armed Forces 
and social care. Saudi Arabia has revealed the layout for its new Formula One track in Jeddah. The 6.175 kilometre track is the second longest in the competition and is expected to be the fastest as well, allowing speeds of up to 322 kilometres an hour. An average lap speed of 250 kilometres an hour. The event will take place on December 5th. Formula One driver Tasso Marx has revealed recently he feared for his life after a serious case of coronavirus, which he is now recovering from. The Brazilian revealed that 85% of his lungs had been compromised and that he was rushed into intensive care. The former Minardi driver even went as far as to make a will. Even during his recovery now, his lungs are still only at 30% capacity. However, he is expected to make a full recovery. Tomato GP and the Aprilla squad are undertaking a three-day private test at Jerez next month with Andre De Vizioso to feature. The driver is currently on leave after falling out with the Ducati general manager at the back end of last year. The three-time runner-up was offered a race seat with Aprilla for 2021 earlier but turned the offer down due to timing. He also turned down an offer from Yamaha to be a test driver as it would, not leave, as it would leave the door open. Oh, sorry, it would not leave the door open for his desired full-time race return in 2022. The Aprilla Racing CEO sees the Hellas test as a chance to get to know one another better. The MotoGP, uh, also MotoGP, have announced that the MotoGP Fantasy Game is back after an impressive debut year. The game allows fans to manage their favourite riders against friends and other games while being in with a chance at winning prizes. The game awards points based on the real-world results of riders at Grand Prix. All eyes will be on the Middle East this coming weekend as both Formula 1 and MotoGP's Grand Prix take their place, marking the official start for both competitions. A massive weekend at Sandown, and one of the headline categories of the weekend was the third round of the VHT S5000 Australian Drivers' Championship. An incredible weekend of racing, um, finishing a back-to-back weekend of events following the Phillip Island round a week before. And the man that's emerged from both of those as a clear championship leader in the race for the Gold Star it's Joey Mawson, and he joins us on the show now. Joey, welcome to On The Grid. Thanks for chatting, mate. You've had a big fortnight, my friend. I certainly have. It's uh, always enjoyable when you have back-to-back races. Um, yeah, certainly uh, a successful two weeks. I definitely didn't expect um, to, to have that much success. So I'm really thankful um, to the team and also to Form 700 and Alibar for giving me this opportunity. Before we get into where you're at at the championship now, let, let's just rewind a little bit to Simmons Plains and where it all kicked off for you. And this was quite a last-minute program to get you in one of these cars. Just talk us a little about and explain the circumstances that led to you ending up driving the 27 car for Team BRM. Um, yes, so I uh, I had a, a phone call from Chris Lambden. Actually, he inquired about doing um, S5000 initially last year before it got cancelled at the Grand Prix. Um, but at that stage, I was still set on doing um, Porsche Supercar. Um, when I finished my last season uh, in 2020 in German Career Cup, um, at the end of the season, he again gave me a phone call about um, inquiring about doing S5000 uh, for the 2021 season. Um, and obviously at the end of that season, you know, after the way things played out in Porsche, um, I was definitely keen to uh, give single-seaters a try again. Um, and I was returning to Australia uh, in December as my season had finished. Um, so I definitely wanted to to jump at the opportunity. And basically, um, you know, while I was in hotel quarantine, there was a lot of phone calls back and forth trying to get some budget together to to do the championship. Um, and yeah, I, I basically on, on race week on the Tuesday um, of that week, uh, I got the phone call that we managed to get some budget through um, to be able to complete the deal. Um, and at that stage, it was just a one-round deal at Simmons Plains with our team BRM. Yeah, and obviously things went so well down there and you were instantly competitive that things pushed on to to keep you in the car. What was your initial impression when you jumped into that thing at Simmons Plains, <laughs> which is a couple of drag strips and a few slow corners? What was your initial impression of the S5000 racer? Uh, I absolutely loved it. It was one of the coolest racing cars I've ever driven. Um, the, it was certainly the, the most powerful car I've ever driven. So um, it absolutely took off in a straight line. Um, lethal on cold tyres. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, I had a few few little scares and moments on cold tyres. But um, yeah, just I remember coming back from the first warm-up session with just a huge smile on my face. Um, 
absolutely love the feeling of being back in a single seater. And uh, in 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 all honesty, it's probably one of my the favourite race cars that I've ever driven. Um, you know, in my career, and I've been fortunate to drive quite a fair few categories. It's been very clear, mate, that you've been enjoying yourself a lot. Every time I see you get out of the car, you're smiling, whether you've had a good session or a, or not a great one. And even before the torrential rain we saw at Phillip Island in the weekend, you, you said to me before one of them last weekend was, like, I cannot wait to get out there in these conditions. Cannot wait to drive this car. Uh, it, it strikes me that this has been really good for you from a personal side, mate, because I know your couple of seasons in Super Cup were really challenging. So yeah. uh, from a from a, a mental point of view, I suppose, it must be just nice to get into this car, love driving it, and just get the pure enjoyment out of driving very, very cool racing cars. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, when you have um, a lot of passion for something, you get the best out of yourself. Um, so I feel like that's certainly been the case um, since driving the S5000 championship and car. Um, I've also been really happy to be back home, back on the Australian scene, you know, back with, um, you know, my family and friends. I spent uh, a long time over in Europe for eight years. So, um, yeah, I just, uh, I'm having, I'm having an absolute ball doing this championship. Uh, let's look forward then to, to Phillip Island where it was round two of the championship just a fortnight ago. Now it's been a really busy two weeks. And that weekend went really, really well. Those cars look so fast at that place. Um, it's always been a fast location. Even supercars look quick there. But there yeah. was something about the way the S5000 cars emerged into view over the hill at, before turn one at 285 k's an hour. Can you just elaborate what it was like to drive those things around there? Oh, it was uh, To be honest, Phillip Island, I think, was a circuit that was perfectly suited and made for the S5000 car. Um, you know, the power, the downforce, um, the type of corners. Um, so, yeah, I, I had an absolute ball at Phillip Island. It definitely felt very fast around there, particularly at the end of straight entering turn one. Mm. Um, we didn't feel the downforce so much like at Simmons Plains, but you definitely did at Phillip Island. Um, so, yeah, it was, um, it, it was really, really enjoyable uh, weekend and experience. And uh, I think, you know, the cars will definitely be suited to Sydney Motorsport Park as well. Um, going going into the last round with the fast flowing nature mm. of the circuit. What's it been like tuning the cars? Because these cars aren't just new for the drivers; they're new for the teams as well. It, the the category is only five events old, really. Two events in 2019, then everyone pushed pause for 12 months. So, I had a really interesting chat with the boys at your race team and at Simmons Plains. I said, "Oh, so you, are you trimming the car out because it's it's long straights and a few slow corners?" And they're like, "Well, actually, they've got so much grunt." we can afford to run more wing than we thought we could because they've got that horsepower to drive through the drag that adding the extra downforce adds. So are you enjoying that process of learning what these cars like? Because everyone's in the same boat trying to unlock the secrets of what makes an S5000 fast. Absolutely. I mean, obviously when the category is so new, there's so much to learn. Um, so uh, it's, it's, it's been really interesting, um, you know, having to adapt to setups for this car as well. Um, yeah, Team BRM have been really, really good with the setups. I mean, we had a very strong car at Sandown. Um, GRM were definitely quick, um, probably the quicker car at, um, at Phillip Island, but we're lucky we were able to maximise the result there. Um, but to be honest, when the base, our base setup has been pretty good that we haven't had to make too many major changes um, throughout the weekend. Um, and that's certainly when you know that, you know, it's, you're going into a weekend, the base setup's good. That's when you know you normally set up for a good weekend. Your engineer is the last driver to win the Australian Drivers' Championship in Australia, Simon Hodge. He won it in 2014. Um, you've clearly built a pretty good working relationship with him. Yeah, absolutely. I, to be honest, I rate Simon Hodge really, really highly um, with all the engineers I've worked with. Um, his communication and, and radio communication has been, you know, probably one of the best I've ever experienced. Um, so we've we've bonded really well together. And... Um, Funny story, I actually used to race Simon Hodge, um, you know, my engineer in go-karting. So we used to be rivals and now we're, we're working with each other. So it's, um, it's been a really good relationship. And, uh, you know, if I do the S5000 championship next year um, or the next season, I really hope to be able to work with him again. Yeah, it's been fun to watch you to um, build that relationship and win some races as well. Um, the weekend was a real challenge, mate, and, and the way it ended for you was very, very different to how it started in race one on Sunday morning. 
really strange set of circumstances with the race starting, but wasn't supposed to being started. Your teammate ended up non-finishing. You were out of position when the race was restarted. So there was a whole lot of chaos going on. How did you work your way through that and just get your head clear so you could just focus on driving the race car? Um, yeah, I would say, um, you know, we certainly had a, a fair few setbacks, um, particularly in the first race starting the weekend. That's an understatement, um, mate. <laughs> yeah. So even, even at Phillip Island, I mean, the weekend started with a setback. Um, but I just had a really good good mindset going into um, into the whole weekend. You know, even when I had the, the issues in the first race, I just put my head down, didn't focus on, on you know, what happened, but rather how I'm going to bounce back and move forward. Um, because at the end of the day, you know, the main race is, is the key to the championship and, and also the key to the weekend. It's the only race where you get a trophy for. So hmm. um, my mindset has always been to try set myself up best for getting, you know, that trophy and, and the success in the main race. Um, competition's been good, hasn't it? Your own teammate, Thomas Randall, the GRM boys, Hearn and Golding, um, Tim Macro, already a double champion in the Gold Star. So the, the competition you've been racing has been at a really high level. Absolutely, absolutely. We've got a, you know, a big mix of the grid. Um, you know, Timmy Macro is obviously super experienced in, in the Australian scene and also in single-seaters. Um, you know, Tommy Randall has also... A, a, vast experience of, among many cars um, and he's also you know doing very well in V8 supercars and obviously an ex-supercar driver like Jimmy Golding um, so yeah it's been really good to put myself up against really strong Australian competition um, and I hope to see more drivers like that in the future. Uh, you're a Sydney boy originally I know you spent a long time in Europe but the championship concludes at Sydney Motorsport Park in a little bit over a month's time in early May you must be looking forward to getting to that place. Absolutely. Um, I'll most likely be having a lot of family and friends coming out to that event because, um, yeah, since I've been in cars, obviously I haven't really had any family or friends that have been able to come watch me race. Um, so, yeah, very much looking forward to being in Sydney. I'll be staying at home um, for, for that event as I only live 25 minutes from the circuit. Nice. Um, and I also really enjoy the flow of the Sydney Motorsport Park. It's a, it's a bit more like a European circuit. Well, and I wanted to finish on your European stuff and, and a former rival of yours and a guy you beat to the German Formula 4 Championship back in, well, 2016, I think it was. Mick Schumacher makes his Formula 1 debut this year. How do you think he's going to go? How, given you've knocked him off before, you've beaten this guy. How do you think he's going to go in F1? I, I, to be honest, I think um, he'll, he'll do really well in the end. Um, you know, we've seen in the past that sometimes he takes a little bit uh, to get up to speed in categories. Um, so I'm sure, you know, debuting in F1, it probably won't be easy, but I'm sure as well, you know, once he gets enough experience on, on board, um, you know, he'll be able to, to really do well in Formula One. And, um, you know, he's obviously proven himself enough in single seaters as well. He's won European Formula Three, FIA Formula Two. So, you know, as well as having the surname, he's also backed <laughs> himself up with credentials to really earn the right to be in Formula One. Yeah, for sure. The surname probably helps fund it, doesn't it? Um, and, and finally for you, what, what what's the future hold for Joey Mawson? This feels like something of a reset for you coming back from Europe after eight years, like you said. Do you do you have a plan? Do you know where you want to go domestically or back overseas? What's the thought process at the moment? Um, definitely at the moment, I'd prefer to, to stay domestically, um, particularly while the coronavirus is going on. Um, I didn't enjoy being in Europe so much um, during the COVID time. So I'm, I'm definitely enjoying myself and happy to be back home. Um, also making a name for myself back on the Australian scene because I've been overweight, away from home for eight years. So um, just to get my name out there in the Australian motor racing scene has been really positive. Um, at this stage, I hope to be able to finish this season off and then um, hopefully do another season of S5000 and then really um, assess myself from there. Um, obviously, supercars would be fantastic to get into as you know trying to make a professional career out of it um because my ultimate dream is to to be able to you know make a living from racing and, and you know have my passion as a job well next to s5000 supercars look easy to drive so i think you could jump into one of those things and be <laughs> very very competitive from the outset it's been really cool to watch you this season mate um it's a long break strangely after such a busy start to the year to the final round 
at Sydney Motorsport Park, but we know you'll be right on the money. Looking forward to following that. Congrats on everything you've achieved so far. You're succeeding you. in reintroducing the name Joey Mawson to Aussie Motorsport, so it's already a box ticked. No, thank you very much, Richard, and thank you for your time today. Thank you. There's Joey Mawson joining us on the grid. All right, we're going to launch into the show, Mark, with one of the great stories from an amazing weekend at Sandown Raceway for the Penrod Oil Sandown Super Sprint. It was a crazy weekend of motorsport, and it lasted right the way through to race five of the Supercars Championship, the final race of the weekend. Saw an incredible podium and standing on second position for the first time in his very short Supercars career was a driver from Erebus Motorsport, Car 99. Brody Kostecki joins us on the grid right now. Brody, mate, congratulations. Yeah, thanks for having me on here. Um, obviously, pretty pretty stoked to finish second, but, uh, you know, it's it's you're still the first loser finishing second. <laughs> so um, I, I had a lot of, you know, mixed emotions um, jumping out of the car. Um, obviously, Shane, Shane was injured and stuff as well. So, um yeah, it, it said it didn't compromise him, but, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, no one wants to be beaten with a guy with one arm. So. <laughs> but, mate, you were beaten by a guy who's in a freakish, freakish run of form, the best team in the sport. And it feels like at the moment that if you finish second, you've actually, you've won the race because you've, you've got to fight off everyone else to do it. So, I mean, it's still a pretty remarkable achievement to knock that field off against a guy that is just at such a high level at the moment. Yeah, he's definitely in a uh, league of his own at the moment. Um, I think they've just got all the stars aligned over there at Red Bull at the moment. So um, hopefully, you know, going into Tasmania uh, with what we've learned at Sandown, we can try, you know, disrupt their form. Um, but it's going to be tough. Uh, we've, you know, we struggled a bit on the weekend on Saturday. We sort of fell behind the uh, eight ball with uh, missing practice one. So we had to make a few jumps, um, you know, without any knowledge, you know, not having the track time. So uh, but, you know, big kudos to everyone at Erebus, uh, you know, but to have both cars on the top 10 in that last race there was was uh, pretty cool. What was the key? Obviously, that wet qualifying session on Saturday, uh, on Sunday morning, it obviously got wetter and wetter as it went on. But uh, he managed to drag a good result out of that, which really set up that race on Sunday Arvo. Yeah, we actually struggled a bit in uh, qualifying on Sunday. Uh, the first qualifying session for myself on the Sunday, uh, we're not sure if we had a bad set of tyres or whatnot. It's something that we still have to go back and go through. And then the second qualifying session, we ended up P7, which I was uh, you know, pretty happy about. And I knew that you know, if we made a few changes to the car, you know, going to those races, I'd, you know, I knew that we'd have a fighting chance. So, uh, you know, George and myself have been you know, working really hard at trying to you know, push push the uh, envelope and, you know, try break into the top fives. You know, we've been in the top 10 a couple of times down qualifying, um, you know, but we, we just want to keep, keep pushing the barrier. And um, I'm not too worried about the rookie uh, status that we got given. Um, I just, you know, I want to do my best and, you know, try, try, try win races. So uh, I think we're getting there and we're just going to keep our heads down and just keep, keep pushing along. You mentioned George Cummins, a uh, engineer. He comes from Rick Kelly. And I remember when he first lobbed up with Rick, he really changed things up with him and focused a lot on Rick's driving and tuning up Rick sort of thing. Like it was a bit of a different take that got Rick going pretty well. And he's got a fair few podiums more than what he was doing with his previous setup there. How's the relationship coming along with George? Yeah, it's been really great so far. Uh, you know, we've, we've gotten along, um, you know, like a house on fire and, um, I think I made him cry there on the Sunday um, <laughs> uh, when I finished second. So um, yeah, he's uh, <laughs> that, that, that was pretty cool to see. And um, I think uh, we're, everyone at Erebus is just so excited to go racing this year. And um, you know, Will and myself are you know really in, in enthusiastic about you know what we want to achieve. And uh, we've both been trying to help each other as much as possible. And so is the engineering department. So it's been been really good, and uh, everyone's really enjoying themselves. Well, and that Sunday result was no fluke either because Will was seventh. So clearly both cars were really good in what were challenging conditions. Um, just, just talk us, tell us about Sandown in the rain because she's a bumpy old joint in the dry, lots of surface changes, lots of changing grip levels. What's it like in the rain? Yeah, it's probably um, it's probably one of the more challenging circuits. Um, there is more difficult circuits when it rains, like for example, Gold Coast and stuff, but this place is like a different beast, like you say, with the surface change and whatnot. So um, every corner has got a different sort of grip level and, you know, you go into braking zones and it will change surface three times and, you know, there's cracks still everywhere. So it's quite, it's quite, uh, it's quite difficult to get your head around. But um, I think, you know, luckily for me having a bit of a dirt background stuff, I'll just, 
wasn't really afraid to move around and, um, you know, go, go in, you know, different lines that aren't sort of, um, you know, natural to, you know, circuit racing. And I sort of found my groove there and was able to, you know, try close the gap to Shane a bit. We're guilty as broadcasters and commentators in talking up, our oh, driver's got a sprint car background or a dirt track background. Oh, he's going to be amazing in the rain. Like, does it genuinely help though? Is it genuinely a skill set that you feel like you've got a bit of an advantage because you've been brought up racing on those low grip surfaces? Uh, yeah, I think it definitely, it definitely uh, broadens your um, knowledge um, based on the situation that you're in. And being that, you know, if it's raining, the, conditions are never the same the next lap so um i think that's one of the things that definitely uh dirt racing helps with is it's very similar it's it's different every time you go into the corner so um i think that's something that's helped me and um you know shane's shane's got a bit of that background as well and uh you know so so a few of the other uh quick guys in the wet now obviously your phone would have lit up after that effort and I reckon one of the first on there would have been Paul Morris, the proud BMX dad, got straight onto the social media to give you a big cuddle. Uh, have you been on the phone to Paul? What's what's he said about the weekend? Uh, yeah, I'm actually sitting in his house at the moment. So nice. I've, I've uh, had the pleasure to um, have a good chat to him this morning. Um, I, I flew back after our ride day yesterday with uh, his son, Nash Morris. So, uh, yeah, we had a good day at the ride day yesterday. And, um, yeah, he was he was pretty stoked. And, he, you know, he was giving me tips all all. Uh, all weekend for the rain there. And, um, you know, that's just another thing that contributes to, a, you know, a, a good run like that is having people in your corner that, you know, can give you such good knowledge and, um, you know, being around Norwell as well. Did I see Flash plugged into the passenger seat of your car? Yeah, he did. Yeah, I actually uh, got to take him for a lap around um, Sandown just to, you know, give him a bit of an insight on what the place is like and, um, you know, just try fast track his learning curve as much as possible. You mentioned uh, some of your speedway stuff there. You had a, a very different route to supercars, and that included a bit of a stint over in the States racing in the K&N series, one of the feeder series to NASCAR over there. And looking back through the fields that you raced back in the day, a lot of the competitors have really gone on. Like a few of them, Cole Custer and guys like that, are, are now racing in Cup. So do you ever look back in that time? I mean, you were out there rubbing panels with these guys who have who've kicked on to bigger and better things. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I sort of um, was really lucky to race against those guys and uh, yeah, was very fortunate to have a, a good stint over there and got to race a lot over there. So, you know, by the time I got back to Australia, I had a lot of racing under my belt, even though it wasn't circuit racing. So that was something I had to sort of get my head around um, when I come back and join the Super 2 uh, category. But uh, yeah, it, it definitely uh, broadened my knowledge, like I was saying earlier about, you know, the dirt stuff of you know, just being, you know, so many different situations over there and uh, I got to race a lot more than what you would do here. So, um, yeah, definitely taught me a lot over there and, you know, being able to see them guys go on and uh, have success has been pretty cool. Brody, how important was Bathurst last year and that drive tonight with Anton in terms of setting you up for this season? There was so much discussion about you driving, you're out there with the main game guys in changing conditions and you got your elbows out and, it was really cool to watch. Uh, was that drive important for you personally, important for you professionally? What what sort of role did that race last year play in setting you up to land at Erebus this year and, and perform as you have? Yeah, it's quite, it's actually quite funny. Um, you know, obviously I've done uh, a few years in Super 2 and that's that's the way I've always sort of raced. Um, mm. I'm always pretty tough to, to sort of be around and uh, I always race hard and, um, you know, just... Bathurst was just on a bigger stage really so it was you know good to it was good to be out there and um yeah it was definitely a career defining drive looking at back on it now which was pretty cool and um I think uh it got Barry pretty excited <laughs> um <laughs> yeah. you know when I got out when uh you know we got a bit off off uh strategy there and I was up against the main game guys which ha- happened to be a good thing in the end mm. How is it working with Barry Ryan? I mean, look, we've seen, the public have seen some of the documentary stuff that's gone in in the past and people have their opinions about him, but, you know, you've worked closely with him for a few race meetings now. How is he to get along with? Yeah, I think, to be honest, Barry cops a lot of um, a lot of shit from um, critics about the way he uh, goes about his racing, but to be honest, um, I really wouldn't want it any other way. Uh, yeah. He's a very competitive person inside and um, so a lot of the other you know, team owners and team managers out there, but it's just, you know, uh, 
unfortunately it was shown to the you know to the world on what it's actually like inside a team yep um it's you know there's a lot of money that goes into this stuff and um you know it's if if you don't perform um you know it's it's generally not a very good thing so um yeah he's been he's been really good so far he's um understands that we're rookies but you know we've we've been you know will and myself have been bumping him along saying you know we want to you know we want to get up there this year so uh we're all pushing each other as much as we can and um yeah it's been really good how was betty sunday night yeah she uh she facetimed me right after the race and (laughs) Uh, Daniel and herself were uh, sitting on the couch with their two dogs and yep. um, yeah I think they were sort of a bit in shock to be honest uh, you know uh, Betty has a and Daniel have a lot of trust in Barry with you know him him making the calls and to uh, put put two rookies in this year was you know considered to all the other team owners and you know maybe some of the public was stupid but um, you know even though it was wet wet and um, you know it's not the conditions that we'll see you know throughout the year all the time I was you know pretty cool that uh you know we got to stand on the podium there and Betty and Daniel were stoked and uh it just shows how much faith that they have in Barry. Moving on Simmons Plains similar style of circuit almost in some ways to Sandown some big drag strips there and some little fiddly bits at either end uh did you what did you learn on the weekend that you think could translate over to Simmons Plains? Yeah, we definitely uh, learnt a lot on the Saturday uh, in, in qualifying. We uh, we um, didn't get much practice on the Saturday, uh, like I mentioned before, with a few issues. So uh, set out P1, and we just decided to throw something different than you know what Will had in his car, and, and you know we had both cars in the ten and the dry, which was you know pretty cool. And um, you know we had a few issues throughout the race um, that related back to practice one that you know we got sorted for the Sunday so um, I'm actually really stoked to be going to Sanya it's you know one of my favorite tracks to go to and um, I've had a few good runs there in Super 2 as well so um, you know it's a joint that I'm really looking forward to going to. It's a cool track to watch supercars at Simmons Plains it's tight bull ring style I mean it's a short track oval of our calendar isn't it so you really get your elbows out and the hairpin always promotes good racing Um, so you're 10th in the championship which is outrageously brilliant after two rounds and five races did, did you go into the season with an expectation of where you'd finish or did are you just take literally taking this one route at a time and and results are a bonus what, what's the what's the outlook now i suppose for the i've only got 10 rounds left amazingly after two so what's the what's the outlook what's the target you've got you set or is that a target that's changing after every round given what happened on the weekend <laughs> it's funny that you uh say that um uh, a lot of the close people around me know that I'm a pretty sort of simple person to be around. I'm sort of a bit of a gypsy and, uh, you know, live sort of life one day at a time sort of thing. Um, yeah, I'd never set myself a long-term goal. I, I never said, oh, yeah, we want, we want to be fifth in the championship or 10th or, you know, 15th or whatever. Mm. Um, I, you know, simply said to myself, you know, you've, 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 you've done it. You've got into the, into the show now. It's time to perform. So um, that's the only sort of, um, you know, thing that I sort of go into the round you know in the back of my head so that's what I take to every round and um and you know the rest of it will just look after itself really are you still getting onto the iRacing rig I mean you're an absolute red hot gun at that stuff last year I mean COVID kind of put you on the on the radar really well and truly with some of the cameo performances you put in there yeah I get on a little bit here and now and then but um definitely not as much since um you know the COVID stuff sort of on the back foot now I've sort of been focusing on uh you know the real life stuff and you know being out to Norwell quite a fair bit and been uh working with the young kid Kai Allen uh which has been really cool and he'll be making his 86 debut at Winton um coming up pretty soon so uh, I've had I've had you know more focus on stuff like that and you know Paul Sunnash has been you know racing in Super 3 and stuff like that so I'm trying to trying to give back as much as I can and um you know try to try help some young fellas come through yeah, Nash, you did a really good job at Bathurst at the opening round of Super 3 as well. So um, lots of potential there. Mate, congratulations on a fantastic podium at Sandown. It was awesome to watch. Crazy weekend of racing. And it feels like Supercars is going to be like that all year. These short, sharp two-day race meetings. And um, you in particular and your team feel like you're in a really good position to capitalise on that and grab some more great results. So well done. Thanks for joining us. Congrats and all the best at Simmons Plains in a couple of weeks. Cheers. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. There's Brody Kostecki, 10th in the Supercars Championship, a podium on the weekend, joining us on The Grid. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. Cool story, Brody Kostecki, and great to have him on the grid after finishing on the podium in race five of 
the Repco Supercars Championship at Big Bad Sandown. Also at Big Bad Sandown on the weekend, Mark Walker's still with us. It was great to catch up with our old mate, Dale Rogers, and he's on the show. He's still got the Sandown bars, the place he's been visiting for years. Um, Dale, welcome back to On The Grid, my friend. Did you enjoy yourself at Sandown? Yeah, thanks, Richard and Mark. Yeah, it was great. Uh, uh, you know, you, you talk about race circuits and uh, circuits that have long radius corners and all the mod cons about them. And then you go back to big, bad sand down, long straights, 90 degree corners, undulation, bit of S's, driver's circuit. And guess what? It just turned up superb racing in every category. So uh, I love the place. I've been going there since I was a kid. Um, and it's just it's just a brilliant racetrack. And I think it's a lesson in in, in really how we've got to fight to try and keep this as long as we can. Can, can we t- tell the listener how many years you've been going to Sandown? Or? Uh, yeah, my first uh, my first meeting at Sandown was the 1970 Australian Touring Car Championship oh. when Beachy uh, debuted the Manara, or had the second round in the Monaro. So, wow. uh, yeah, no, I've been, and I've been a regular. I've probably got about 9,000 tickets in the uh, drawers <laughs> somewhere, but I uh, love the play. And uh, just one point, what, back in the day when the Tasman Series was on in the mid-70s as well, um, you could actually drive your car in uh, at the uh, at, at the top of the Corrigan Road entry until 7.30 in the morning and park on the inside of the track all the way down to Danny Road. Wow. Now, you were stuck there for the day. Yeah. Um, but it was just brilliant viewing. So that was full of cars, people with things on their roof. And I recall seeing Johnny Walker uh, come across in a Lola T330, I think, and uh, turn a white picket fence into a rather large garbage heap. So, yeah, some great <laughs> memories there. Great. Great, great racetrack. And despite all the weather that Melbourne could throw at the weekend, none of the fences got knocked down. I owe Sandown Racetrack an apology for even <laughs> thinking that maybe some of the Armco could have been knocked down on the weekend, but all the drivers kept it on the island, did a really good job. Yeah, but they have moved a lot of Armco a long way back from the racetrack where it used to almost line the racetrack, particularly up at the top of Dino Road. Even still. So, soggy, soggy Melbourne conditions. And remember in 2019, we spent literally two and a half hours rebuilding fences after a Toyota 86 decided to um, go skyward. So um, yep. yeah, uh, r- remarkable stuff. I mean, what, what do we take out in the racetalk.com's power rankings? We literally clicked a link to the list of superlatives to <laughs> explain what Shane Van Gisbergen is doing because we just couldn't be bothered writing them all. Um, because they've all been used. So we tried to find some new ones. Um, he's a force of nature, that man, on his own at the moment. And it's turned out since that he also just so happened to be running with three broken ribs as well, which is just completely and utterly bonkers. Okay, well, here's some superlatives. Uh, most beautiful, angriest, <laughs> uh, bloodiest, boldest, bossiest, bravest. Yeah, no, all of them. He ticks yep. all the boxes. I'm not going to go for a superlative, uh, Krause, but I will pick up on our old mate Phil uh, Phil Brannigan's post on Twitter who just suggested that then obviously the the, the 23 drivers who haven't got broken bones should go and get them immediately. (laughs) Yes. Well, I mean, they're running out of other ideas. So he's won five races in a row. Um, Red Bull always go very, very well at Simmons Plains. It's a super track for them. It's not a track where the Shell V-Power Fords, for example, have been particularly good recently. So... I mean, there's a very realistic opportunity. We could roll into the bend in mid-May with Shane having won, what, seven, eight races in a row to open the championship and have an enormous, enormous lead that by Hidden Valley or Townsville could be almost unbeatable because there's all of a sudden there's no um, massive 300-point single races or two-weekend races like the Enduros coming up. What are the chances that Garth Tander has to interview himself <laughs> and SVG in Victory Lane at mm. Bathurst after SVG clean sweeps the whole season? It's looking all right at the moment. I mean, that the Shell VPAL Dick Johnson Racing guys, they got a knot this weekend in our power rankings. When's the Scott McLaughlin hangover going to finish? I mean, they're a team that's capable. All that's really changed there is the, the captain left the building and two new drivers have come in. And they're just not not producing at the moment, are they? I mean, how long are we going to cop excuses that oh well, just let them let them be? Well, Mark, I actually think if you if you look at the uh, where they are and what they've done to date, and you know there has been a podium and there's been some top tens, but 
it, it to me it really shows the McLaughlin factor mm. up against Gisbergen, Van Gisbergen. Scott and Van and, and Shane were the two class acts. Everyone else was fighting when they were on their day for the back of the podium. Now, if you look at where Will's finishing, he's you know he's done a third, he's fifth, sixth, seventh, and and uh, Anton. Okay, they did an engine and one race, but if you look at where they're finishing, it's about where Fabian was mm. in reality. So it to me what it says is that the Scott factor was like the Shane factor is at Triple Eight is immense and. Uh, you know, I, 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 I obviously you got. You know, we know that I, I worked with the team for a long time, right through the Penske year. I went into the garage on Friday, saw all the boys. It's the same crew. You know, they're all there, same there. There are two new drivers working with new engineers, and that doesn't happen overnight. We know that. We've seen. Uh, although, if you take um, Dave Couch and Shane Ben Gisberg now, that discussion, but you know, that takes time to gel. So, at the moment, yeah, okay, the, there's, the results aren't there, um, but. I, I don't think they're, if you take the McLaughlin factor out, they're that far behind as a team where they were last year. But there's a lot to go. Davison, you know, made a couple of big mistakes. His recovery was very good in the race after he spun. Anton, uh, I still think, you know, is, is, is still maturing. Uh, long, long way to go. But, you know, you've also seen WAU. Um, you know, Chazzy was, was seriously fast, but Bryce was nowhere. They had a really bad weekend. So, there's a bit of tit for tat going on, I think, at the moment with the teams. And uh, I, I agree with Richard. Shelby Power Racing has not been uh, a, a strong team at, uh, at uh, Simmons. Um, you know, I think we're on a cracker race there for the miners, if you will. But uh, it's hard to see anyone knocking off uh, Shane. And Jamie, to be fair, is not that far off, off the pace either. Well, yeah, I mean, he's consistent. He's flying under the radar. He's now second in the championship, even yeah. though Waters and Chaz have been up there battling it at the front and battling nice and hard and bashing into each other, which is what we love to see. They both had a couple of wipeouts in two races, uh, a race each so far for those guys. And Jamie's now second in the points simply by picking up third placings. Yeah. You're not going to win the championship having two DNFs in the first five races, are you, if you're Anton? In in a series like this with 12 events, instead of 14 or 15, it's every single race counts. Um, and that's why I'm going and smoking the field like Shane's amazing. But then after that, you've got to look at, you know, Jamie's gone seven, six, three, three, four. Chaz started strongly, but six, fourth and 24th um, or DNF as it was at Sandown. So that that's a killer. And already he's 442 points and Shane's 605. So Chaz has got a, he's got a what? Win a race and then finish ninth in another with Shane having two DNFs before he's even par. So, and, and we're only five races into the season and Chaz is third in the championship. So that's, it's a massive storyline. Um, and they're going to have to have Shane to have a bad round or break his other collarbone. Um, but actually that's not going to work, is it? Because if he breaks another one, he's just going to go faster by the looks yeah. of it. He'll just steer, yeah. steer with his mouth. He'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. uh, talking Van Gisbergen, that race won Saturday afternoon. How mm. good was it? I mean, SVG coming through from 17th, the battle that went on, Everything that happened, how good was it? I mean, people prattle on about how the racing's broken and there's too much aero and blah, 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 blah. You get the right situation with these cars. And we saw some great races last year on different types of circuits. Mm. And here at Sandown, sprint race, it was absolutely well, unlike Donkey Kong. Yeah, I mean, low grip circuit, only one aero corner, turn six. Um, yeah. And bumpy... So those old school circuits always, uh, and F1's the same, that they, yep. the old school tracks put on the better racing because sure. they remove that that aero component. But yeah, that's, that's one of the better supercar races in a long time, certainly from a sprint race point of view. And we had some absolute belters last year as well. Sydney Motorsport Park, all of them come to mind. But that's right up there. And, and it was quite a, a pure motor race, even though the tyre deck plays a role. It wasn't enormous there. That, that was a, an heroic drive from Shane to drag the car to the front. And if he hadn't have pulled that move off at turn two, he might still have finished third or fourth. So it was all down to his remarkable driving to set up that incredible, incredible finish. It's interesting uh, when you look at the at sprint races. I mean, it wasn't too long ago that, that if we were uh, in a previous life talking on the race talk, we would have been canning sprint races as being the, the absolute, the worst thing. The cars weren't suited to it. It was processional. But COVID actually made the sprint race um, formula uh, 
uh, brought it back on the agenda for supercars because they had to do it. They had, could only run races that really were a fuel tank race. And for some bizarre reason, they've actually unlocked something I think now is is fantastic. I, I love the three-race format. Uh, we haven't had too many bad through 20 and, and obviously now at Sandown, uh, too many crook um, you know, sprint races. So in a weird way, the cars are reacting better to this, uh, this formula, tyres and circuits, as Richard said, for sure. But um, I'm sure we'll crack, you know, we'll get a bad one somewhere. But, oh, but yeah. when you look at the circuits that normally have sprint races, they're pretty good. Perth's always good as a good sprint race round. Winton's always a good sprint race round. So I think they've unlocked something pretty good with these cars. Yeah, well, the telling thing for me was the bend last year in that both on the short track and the long one, we had brilliant motor racing because they've mixed it up with tyres. They're rolling the dice with the soft tyre as well, which is great. They'll have super soft coming for Darwin, I think, is the first one we see that. Or is it Winton? I forget. Either or. Both of them need it. Um, So that's... Yeah, it's great. And and you're right. In a weird kind of way, COVID's actually helped them kick some massive goals in the product. Um, and, and if we get half a dozen races like that Saturday race spread throughout the year, then it's a massive, massive bonus. Mm-hmm. And and uh, there's an element of reminding people that um, not every race can be a thriller because it's just the way motor racing is. But it, it's about adding more variables so that more races can be more entertaining than perhaps we were getting with those 120 or 200 K things with two pit stops and everyone does the same thing because it was the fastest way to win the race. And they're all pretty intelligent racing car teams for the most part. So they all work it out pretty quickly. Whereas there's still that element of just throw the dice and see what happens. And and we saw that on the weekend and, and like Erebus are the perfect example of that. Cause they got it right in the pouring rain and both of their cars were tremendous uh, in the torrential rain in that last race on Sunday. And as a result, they finished third and seventh for two yeah. rookie drivers, which was amazing. Um, what else can we pick out for this one that, the Cam Waters thing, I, I'm, I'm impressed with how he's driving the car. The car speed is there. He's a legitimate contender in every race, but it just feels a little nervous about the Tickford inconsistency playing a role there. And and whether it's a mechanical drama or otherwise, he's had three seconds. The 20th was the power steering issue at Bathurst, but then a sixth place in the third race. Like he's not going to contend and beat Shane Van Gisbergen regularly. If you're stringing that little inconsistency together, I'm a little bit nervous that that might be the story of his season when he's probably the next best contender, isn't he, to to Shane so far? Well, there's that. And there's also the chess factor at Walkinshaws. I mean, we, we said after Bathurst, it didn't really answer any questions because Walkinshaws were fast there and, Mm. you know, Waters was fast at Bathurst last year. So it didn't really answer anything. It just sort of confirmed what we already knew. So turning up to Sandown and those guys were still on the pace, you know, yeah, they were. Chaz, Chaz never gave anything up. So those guys are still in the ballpark. Obviously Waters in the ballpark. Isn't it great just to see them biffing into each other? Oh, that's so good. You just don't see that much anymore where you half stick the nose in. Mm. You just don't see it because the consequences are, is that you're going to get penalised. Well, I, I think this is this is now, what, year three of Craig, Baird? Yep. Driver standards. I reckon it's taken that long for them to have confidence that they can actually have a crack and that he's going to let that style of racing go. And he's not instantly going to whack you with 10 seconds or 15 seconds or a drive-through. So, yeah. But I, I think it's taken them all last year to go, oh, actually, we can do this. We can actually stick the nose down the inside like those boys did. You look back, people put on their rose-coloured glasses. Wasn't the racing great back in the days? You know, 1993, we look back then, and you had guys who would deliberately plough other drivers off the track. You look mm-hmm. at, at uh, Simmons Plains, Mark Scaife and Alan Jones down there. Could you imagine trying to think about even considering just ploughing someone off the racetrack like that in 2021? Mm. Well, well, Russell England, everybody. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, there's, yeah. there's so much scrutiny. There's so many good TV camera angles. They've got all the systems in place now to pull up any stupid driving like that. Mm. People aren't going to have a crack like they did back then and, you know, plough somebody off at the boobs at Winton like they used to do back in the day. No, again, yeah, you took back look at Sandown. And, and again, it's a sort of track that can set up that move two corners back. You know, you come onto the main straight. You go to the inside, you've got to run, and you're into a very tight left-hand corner. So, again, the track lends itself to setting up someone three or four corners back to make that pass. And that's why those circuits are great for racing. Yeah, 
And, and you know, I, I think Richard's right. Craig is doing a great job. Craig Bennett's doing a terrific job. And the more confidence they get, yeah, we want to see a bit of rubbing. We don't want to see them drill the side door, but we do want to see them bang wheels and do it. And there was a lot of that, even at the back straight, uh, of course, where um, Chazzy and uh, Cam had another go at each other. But um, if we can get to a point where it's it's fair bump play on regularly, we've got good racing. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Um, some other storylines. Team 18 look like they continue to make some progress. Scott Pye struggling a little bit, 12th, 8th and 22nd, but it was cool to see Mark Winterbottom at the front of the field. He was a legitimate contender for a podium in race three of the championship, first of the weekend. Um, there must have been a massive sigh of relief in Albury Town after that weekend because Brad Jones Racing got away with a weekend without battered racing cars, without massive drama, and with Nick Perkett back to his customary eighth position in the championship where he's existed for the last five or six years. Yep. Well, there's that, and uh, I think the Kelly Grove factor too. They look sharp on Sunday. Andre yeah. was fifth in that second race, and he was right in the conversation there for a podium finish in that one. And obviously, David did a great job to come home third after a strong qualifying performance there in that final race. So, Kelly Grove guys look pretty sharp, and you know maybe they can carry that on. Obviously, they've had some big changes there in the off season, and seem to be working so far so good. Yeah, I was, I was impressed with uh, Mark Winnerbot. I mean, he really, uh, even towards the end of last year, but this year, he, he's hardly put a foot wrong. You know, the race, he's raced well. Uh, he's racing, as we know, he's, he's a great race driver. But he looks confident. He looks like he's got machine around him that's working pretty well. And, uh, uh, you know, Scotty's had some bad luck, but uh, the team is, is really good. I, was, I spoke to Richard Holloway on, on Friday out there, and uh, it was really interesting talking to Richard. You know, he, it's not just a new lease of life for him because he's back where, you know, in the supercar paddock, but... He was talking about the team and the way that the culture's working. And, you know, you've got to take head off to Charlie. He's done a, an awesome job in getting this team off. I know he's had his hand in his pocket a lot, but the team's mm. a legitimate team. It's well-funded now. Two great cars. Great thing is they sent Frosty's car back to Triple Eight uh, to do, get the work done. They're not trying to de-engineer the thing. They're trying to listen to what Triple Eight have got, and they run them. And, and teams that have done that and not tried to re-engineer a Triple Eight car have been successful. So they've got the right formula there. The other thing I wanted to touch on, boys, before we give a few people some clips was um, uh, with informed and incisive commentary, of course, uh, is the two Matt Stone Racing boys. And I, I reckon they've done a really solid job. The results probably don't show at 18th and 19th in the championship, but um, they've showed genuine speed in both sessions, um, uh, in both rounds so far. So I, I think they've done a really, really good job. I just wanted to point that out. I, I think they've been quite impressive. And it feels like there's... There's going to be a race where they nail it and they end up with a better set of tyres that get bolted on at the end and carve their way through the field. And both those kids are going to end up with a really solid top 10 at some point this year. I think they're driving very, very well. There might have been a fear, I think, that they would end up being the tail end Charlies at some point. But um, Matt Stone Racing looks like a, they look like a supercar team, don't they? Which is great. And, and that's positive for our sport building forward. And um, it's cool that it's another outfit that seems to have got really good, solid investment behind it. Guys like Jason Gomesell in the ownership group there, um, the Stone family, of course, with their motor racing heritage. So um, that's good for our sport to have more depth in the, in the team's side of things, even if they have got a couple of, a couple of rookie drivers. And um, Blanchard Racing Team didn't have a great weekend, but messy weekend, Tim Slade said, but... Um, Ninth position was a pretty in race two. There was a pretty solid rebound from their uh, their massive dramas at Mount Panorama. Yeah, that was another one I, I caught up with on when I was out there on Friday for that Ford promo and had a good talk with Timmy Slade. And uh, uh, you, you know, you just don't. You, it's, it's hard to fathom the work that went into that that second car. It was not in good shape. It was going to be the ride car. It was the worst car in the field. You know, Phil had, had had that, and uh, although it you know it was it came in with the other car, it was nowhere near. Mm. Uh, race ready and uh, they didn't I uh, talk, also talking to Timmy Blanchard and they they didn't they didn't leave the workshop really till midnight at any night and you had a look at that car in the in the pits and it was absolutely immaculate sure I, you know I don't think it was it was to the to the level of, of um, uh, competitiveness that the car they rolled out at Bathurst was that car is now back at Tickford uh, having its uh, um, remolded chassis rebuilt <laughs> um, and that'll come out nice. You know, they'll, they'll get that back. I'll have to persevere this one for a while. This is, as we know, this is the, the re, very first Falcon uh, car of the future. It's a 2012 car. It's been, it's, it had plenty of hits. But like, like it, 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 it just shows that 
engineered properly, built properly and meticulously, which I've got to take that off to the Blanchard family. They are doing, they're building these things beautifully. Uh, Brendan Hogan's just doing a great job there running that, that shop for Tim and, uh, uh, yeah, a good result, really. But uh, yeah, they struggled. They, they didn't. They, you know, I, I, I'm sure they wish they had the car. They had a Bathurst there for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, I mean, they've just got good people there. That's what it's all about. It's a yeah. people sport. You look at Triple Eight, and they've built up the team of all the smartest eggs in the field, and they get the results. Yeah, you know, the basic cars are all the same. It's just how the brain power behind them that makes them work. And they've got some uh, smart blokes down there in that shed, and. No doubt they'll bounce back once they continue to clean up the car and, and get back on track. Uh, Fabian Coulthard, will he be questioning his life choices at the moment? Yes. He got beaten twice by Gary Jacobson, which isn't great. Uh, you know, There's a bit of promise there at Bathurst where he wheeled out and had a 14th place finish straight off the bat, but uh, was nowhere near that in the weekend. 21st, 17th and 20th, so... It's a shame for Fabian. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that. And, you know, they were behind the, the mats, um, right with the Matt Stone blokes on a lot of those races. So, a tough weekend for Team Sydney. Yeah, I caught up with him on um, Sunday morning and had a chat. And, uh, uh, you know, I guess that, 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 look, he's got to drive. He, he had the option of, of a, of a one-race deal with, with um, DJR, obviously, one, one endurance race. Uh, you know, I think they're, in his words, they're looking at using this year to, to you know, plan and get ready for next year mm. with a new car and everything and uh, uh, if the team keeps going and it's funded I guess they'll get there but uh, yeah I mean, it's a it's a hard road for them no, no, no doubt about it. Uh, quickly uh, let's look to the broad event scope wasn't it nice to see motor racing enthusiasts uh, fans not customers fans back at a racetrack and while we could only have Seven and a half thousand both days. Uh, it was still tremendous to see it. And I've got to say, when that battle was unfolding for the lead in the first race on Saturday afternoon, um, hair on the back of the neck when Shane sent it down the inside and grabbed two spots in one corner because it sounded like you're at the MCG. And that amazing grandstand just amplifies the noise and the crowd went up. And I haven't heard that at Sandown for a couple of years. Really, really great. Um, it was a, just such a a nice sight to see the old girl, if not fall with people with some in it. Sure. It would, it probably lacked soul because all the areas where you're used to seeing people, Merch Alley didn't exist. The paddock was pretty much empty aside from a few masked up corporates, but um, Dandenong road had plenty of people on it. The hills look really good. And the grandstand at least two thirds four was better than nothing at all. So baby steps, but really positive ones, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, during that last Carrera Cup race, I was making a tactical pit stop out the back <laughs> and uh, sitting there on the throne, the roar from the crowd, I had no idea. It sounded like someone had a, a massive one. It was just Craig Lowndes spearing off yes. Carrera Cup race, which uh, absolutely brought the crowd alive. There, there was actually merchandise. It was down where the car displays uh, are typically. So there was no car displays, but there was a, a bit of merch floating around down there. It just lacked a bit of soul, really. I mean, the grandstand's better when it's full. Uh, and obviously, punters down on the, the fence lines and on the grassed areas and that always uh, padded out a bit more. So it, it'll be better when that happens. And it was just weird walking around the paddock and there was no one there. It yeah. just it felt bizarre all weekend. Um, a bit hard to get around if you're a photographer, but uh, stop your whinging. Yeah. Un- ungrateful, but... Uh, problems. Yeah, it is quite bizarre, though. That I mean, I, and I, I agree with Richard. It was it was just fantastic to, to be back at Sandown with people. You know, awesome. Um, and and there was a, there was an atmosphere there. But there were a couple of things that really didn't work, like um, the, the the merch area. If you were zoned and you were not zoned near there, you couldn't go there. So, for instance, the corporates were were zoned in the corporate area. Mm. They could not walk down to the merchandise area. Yeah. So there were some pretty bizarre things happening. And I think what really struck a chord a lot of people was that. You know, we'd watch 50,000 people sit cheek to cheek at the MCG, not, for, you know, 24 hours or 48 hours before. Um, and, you know, here you are with acres and acres of space for 7,000 people. So I know it was based on the grandstand capacity. I know all, all, the, all, the, all the whys and wherefores. But, you know, I, there's, there's a couple of sets of rules going around here. And one of them's the AFL and the other one's for everybody else. You've been reading Mark Fogarty there, Dale. <laughs> No, I had a chat with folks about it, and, yeah. I, and I, we, we concur for once. Yeah. <laughs> well, one attaboy to the sideshows was having Matt Hall back. Mm. Yeah, he was good, wasn't he? He 
he's gotten looser and madder and more <laughs> insane. And some of the things that he does with an aeroplane are things that aeroplanes should not be doing. Like he sits there and just holds it in a stall, pointing directly upwards like a helicopter. He just sits there and flies it like a helicopter stationary in the sky. It's, it's I was hoping the clouds might have even been lower so it would have been closer to the ground. Yeah. He yeah. didn't need to get any closer to the ground. Madman. <laughs> Complete madman. Uh, supports were great, weren't they? Um, yeah. Carrera Cup. I mean, I'm massively biased because I've called them for ten years. But love that's... the Carrera Cup racing, Richard. I, I know that you're you are the voice of Carrera Cup, <laughs> but I got to say, I enjoyed those races as much as any Carrera Cup race I've ever seen. It, it just great racing right through the field, hard racing, plenty of they... action. Awesome. There's 10 bikes that can win that championship. Yeah, yeah. Hundred yeah. percent, ten people that can win that championship this year. Yeah. And and Craig Lowndes is one of them. Yeah, it was great. He was outstanding. Really um, you know, one race in the cup car before, lots of GT racing, of course, but they're a difficult, difficult, really unique car to drive and drive quickly. And he was straight on the money. It was so cool to watch him in the in the front of the field. What was funny, Mark, was watching the kids race. And and some of these kids are 18 years of age, weren't born when Craig won the 96 <laughs> Australian Touring Car Championship. And here they are racing him. And they, they get out of the car and go, my God, it's Craig Lowndes. This is the legend of our game. It's extraordinary. You just have to be driving down the road alongside Craig Lowndes and you get a very similar thing. Uh, that was funny. Lol. We, um, should re- we should recount that briefly, shouldn't we? Driving home and, and on Springvale Road, main road in Melbourne, about to get onto the Monash motorway and um, look out there window. Oh, it's, it's Craig Lance. There, there he is giving us not, not the most polite gestures we've ever seen out the window of a car, but they were, they were entertaining. <laughs> yeah, not wrong. Oh, something that was entertaining was that historic revival butcher's picnic they had going mm. on with group A, C, N and S. Uh, it was just absolute all sorts. Johnny Bow was out there carving it up in uh, an old Corvette and, it, it was cool. Oh, it was rad, and he was pedalling it hard too. There's some really cool cars. I mean, there was some of the obviously some of the Group A stuff and Group C stuff. They don't drive as hard as some of the non-genuine uh, race cars out there, but that was cool. And that's a good thing for the crowd. They want to see big fields, like we had last weekend, the weekend before at Phillip Island. They had the nine four fours, and they only had nine cars out there, and it was just a missed opportunity. But here was uh, a made-up field again. But it was a lot of cars out there, interesting cars. Some of them had really cool history. There was Bathurst winners and all sorts out there, and the fans appreciate it. There was one in particular, which, which I reckon if you, if you dive back through the videos, you would have seen the, the second recar Commodore, which the then owner, Alan Brown, used to drive. And the guy that owns it now did exactly what Brown used to do. He's stuck in the fence at Danny Road. <laughs> Just like, you know, you, I'm yeah. sure you'd find the exact imagery if you went back to a hang 10 400 or whatever it was in the day. Yeah, that'll be a job for Noonan, Aaron Noonan's photo <laughs> archive, I think. I did notice that when it started raining, Steve Webb quickly packed up the uh, Caltex Sierra and parked that away. Yeah. I don't think a, a massively over-turbocharged four-cylinder hot hatch is what you want to be driving at uh-huh. Sandown when it's um, torrentially rain. But it was cool. And, and Jordan Roddy in the um, the XJS, the V12, doing massive burnouts off the start line. Yeah. Um, and JB in that Corvette was awesome, racing Brad Tilley in the Mustang. So very, very cool. And um, VHTS 5000, man, that racing was pretty wild. Um, although we should point out that the debacle in the start line at the start of race one was pretty serious. Poor bit of race management from the people in the starters box. Um if you haven't seen it, look, it's, it's covered off on the racetalk.com. Check the power rankings because it ranked fairly high up in the knots. But um, the, the, the unfortunate issue there was not only did they reset the field wrong, but um, after starting a race, which should have been a formation lap, Tom Randall was shunted out, championship leader, and he's now 40 points behind going in the final round. And it, it set him back for the whole weekend. So really unfortunate turn of events. And it, it just can't afford to have that kind of thing happen at high level national motor racing. It's amazing. We're talking about that given what's going on in the world. And these are the biggest problems we've got, which is great. Don't get me wrong, but seriously stuff like that cannot, cannot happen when people's careers, livelihoods and safety, Mm. especially um, are on the line. Yeah. Yeah, It was ugly. Uh, No doubt about that. It it made no sense then and still makes no sense now. So uh, it was a shame to see the outcome of what happened there. Those cars are cool though. My God, they're awesome to watch. Yeah, they're not bad. um, (laughs) One of the things that you just don't realise, and it's still a relatively small field, but um, 
uh, I was actually over in the TV compound at the, just at the beginning of the last race and uh, uh, you just hear them coming down to the grid and start and the noise and you, yeah. it just it just takes you back to, to you know the big open wheel racing and as someone said I'd much rather watch these things because they race than Formula 5000s because now Formula 5000s don't race I mean mm. to be fair yeah, and, and you know that yeah. makes perfect sense but the, the racing quality of S5000 so far has been been really superb so looking forward to the next one of those for sure. Yeah, Sydney Motorsport Park in May will decide the gold star. And we've already heard from championship leader Joey Mawson earlier in the show. Uh, Gents, it was great to see you both at Sandown. It was great to be back at Sandown and racing. We look ahead to Simmons Plains in a couple of weeks. Uh, Before that, next week, we preview the High Tech Oils Bathurst six hour. Um, Back to your era again, Dale. Massive field, 60 cars, 62, eight classes, 15 different brands and 35 different models of cars racing. I should have probably put my hand up and trying to get a co-drive somewhere. Well, you should have just the MG off, mate. Well, I could, yeah. Does it well, qualify? Yeah, we'd make it. See if it's too late to get a gig in the safety car, because oh, you exactly. might get a few laps. Uh, yeah. I reckon you're going to get lots of laps. Uh, we're looking forward to that. GT and TCR making their first appearance at Mount Panorama ever which is going to be big, and that will get some global attention too. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, Dale Rogers, thank you very much. Great to see you in the weekend, guys, and uh, look forward to seeing you soon. I'll be in Tassie too, so we'll have a oh, bit of to talk about from there. Cross to you, fake live. That's going to be great. Uh, Mark Walker, thank you. Thank you, Richard Crail. Great to see you in the weekend, Dale. I thought that you might have just become a bot on our group chat. Uh, yeah. We just haven't seen you in real life in a while. Yeah, bizarre, isn't it? It, was, it really was quite a, a strange thing seeing all the boys. It was great. Uh, the Race Talk family reunion. Speaking of, uh, the great Shebexta on work duties as we record this, he will be back next week. Um, or maybe not, because uh, he's doing all of the games at the MCG where he rightfully should be. The world is healing, folks, when the voice of the G is back on air. That's it for the show this week. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever it is you may listen to us, Spotify, Apple, Google, or via the internet at theracetalk.com. And thank you if you're listening on the Radio Show Limited Network of channels as well. On The Grid returns next week. Bye for now. This program is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at radiolamont.com.